Good morning. What a beautiful day. What a beautiful crowd. Sometime in your life, <clears throat> I imagine it happened to almost every one of us, there was something we really wanted. Maybe it was a Christmas thing we put down on our Christmas list. Maybe it was a birthday gift. Maybe it was a young lady wanting an engagement ring. Maybe you just wanted to get away for a vacation. But you really, really wanted this. You thought about it. You talked about it. You talked about it. And then it came about. And you got it. And how happy you were. And how thankful you were for the people that made it possible. And that's really how the Apostle Paul begins Ephesians chapter 1. He says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to an adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed upon us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Notice those expressions in verse 3. Blessed be God. Verse 4, he chose us. Verse 5, he predestined us. Verse 7, in him we have redemption. The apostle here is thankful for salvation in Jesus Christ. It's something that everybody, whether they realize it or not, needs. And he's thankful for God who made it all possible. In Matthew chapter 5, as Jesus begins the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, he doesn't begin slowly and works up. He begins with an earthquake. He starts off by saying, blessed are the poor. And the word blessed means happy. Now, poor in spirit is describing a spiritual condition. But whether you're poor in spirit or poor in wallet, that doesn't make you happy. Then he goes to, blessed are those who mourn. Well, that brings sadness. Happy are those who are sad. He ends those Beatitudes by talking about, blessed are those who are persecuted. Right after that, he doesn't take a break. He immediately talks about you are the salt and you are the light. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And I imagine as Jesus spoke those first words, that audience looked around at each other and said, we? We're nobodies. This is not Rome. This is not the capital of the world. We're just simple people. No one asks our opinions. No one cares about us. We're not the shakers and the movers of the society, but Jesus says you are salt. You are light. Not just salt and light, but you are salt of the earth and the light of the world. We are talking about evangelism. Jason began this last week. We're going to continue with that this morning and continue with that even this evening as we talk about this powerful, powerful lesson about sharing the gospel Jesus Christ. Everyone in here who's a Christian has had somebody help us learn about Jesus. Maybe we came into an assembly like this and a preacher preached a sermon and touched our hearts. Maybe it was a mom or dad or a grandparent that sat down with us and showed us these things and we learned the gospel message. Last week, Jason talked about this from a global standpoint, how this congregation is reaching people on all corners of the world. In every country but five in this planet, the gospel has been reached 
by something this congregation has done. People have heard, people have listened, people have read some things that we have done. Over and over, that takes place. This past summer, in the Philippines, one of the class booklets that we have printed here was used for VBS. Yesterday, when I came into the building here, there was a message on our machine. A lady by the name of, I'll just use initial K, left a message. She was in tears. She said, I don't know who to reach out to, but I just want to say thank you. She said, I have a grandson who's been in prison for five years. And things that this congregation is doing, I'm sending to him. He's reading every one of them and keeping them. She goes, I don't know what I would do without this congregation. Just this morning, a lady in Arkansas reached out. She said, I have three aunts. I want you to send every Jumpstart book you have to my aunts. Over and over and over. Those are common things that happen throughout the week as we think about the reaching of other people. The reaching of the Gospels. Now this evening, we're going to talk about a specific aspect, and that's supporting a preacher. And sometimes people ask, well, why don't we support more preachers? And we could find somebody in Illinois who's preaching for a church about 50 and support him, and that'd be a good thing to do. Or we could do what we're doing right now and reach 100 preachers who are reaching 1,000 people or 1,000 preachers who are reaching 10,000 people. But we'll talk about that this evening as we look at some things along that line. So tonight, today in our lesson, we need to see as we talk about shining that light as Jesus wants to, as we think about global evangelism, that's very important. But it's just as important for us to think about going across the street. We're going to talk about evangelism in this community. We're going to talk about our aspect of evangelism and things that we can do to help each other share the gospel about Jesus Christ. And we need to begin by understanding when we talk about lessons like this, I know how it's like when I was younger and I sat in the audience and a preacher got up and talked about personal evangelism. I just kind of slid underneath the pew. Please don't look at me. This makes me nervous. It's one of the most fearful things of Christians is trying to talk to somebody about Jesus. And we're going to show you how you can do it today. How important this is. We need to begin with three concepts. Number one, as we think about this, there's no other way the kingdom grows than evangelism. That is the only way. One person sharing the gospel with another person. That is the only way it grows. And we need to see that there is no other organization, there is no other mechanism, there is no other way the kingdom grows. Secondly, there's no one else to do this other than Christians. You can't hire some firm out here to do that because the firm doesn't believe what we believe. The only way to evangelize is for Christians to do this very aspect. And then number three, God believes we can do this. And that's where I want us to think about today. You can do this. And we're going to talk about how sometimes we make it harder than what it is, but this is something all of us can do. Let's begin over in the book of Mark chapter 5. And I want you to turn your Bibles over there because we're going to look at another passage that's not listed on your screen. This is the occasion of the man who had legions of demons, and Jesus cast out the demons. He was naked. He had been chained, but broke the chains. He was living in the cemetery. He was screaming night and day. He was a mess. And as Jesus cast out all those demons, the Bible says he, he was clothed, sitting down, and in his right mind. Begin at verse 17, where we see on the screen, it talks about how the people from the region came and they implored Jesus to leave. 
As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. And he did not let him, and, but said to him, Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. While you're in Mark chapter 5, go to the end of that chapter, if you will. Jesus goes to the home of a synagogue official whose little girl had died. Jesus brings her back to life. Notice what it says in verse 43 of Mark chapter 5. He gave them strict orders that no one should know about this. Don't tell anybody, he says. Look in chapter 7 of Mark in verse 36. After another occasion, he gave them orders not to tell anyone. But the more he ordered them, the more widely he continued to proclaim it. Look again in chapter 8 and verse 30 of Mark. And he warned them not to tell, to tell no one about him. Interesting as you walk through the gospel of Mark, how many times Jesus would do a miracle and say, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. But the first person, he says, go tell, is this demon-possessed man. Now, Jesus did not say, now, here are a whole bunch of tracts. Take with you and pass these out. He didn't do that. He said, we're going to have a 13-week class on evangelism. He didn't do that. He didn't say, now, do you understand the difference between a preacher and a pastor? There is a difference. Do you understand the concept of Hades? Do you understand the concept of the book of Revelation? All those things have been cloudy to him. But there's one thing he knew. I was possessed, and now I'm not. Jesus changed my life. Go to your people and tell them. And that's a great concept as we think about the idea of evangelism. When we think about evangelism, we often make it harder than what it really is. And, and I think we do this just because of some of the fears we have. We create fears. What if they ask me something I don't know? We're fearful of that. In fact, this is one of the greatest fears among Christians. If I talk to a co-worker, if I talk to somebody, and they ask me a question, and I don't know the answer, I'm going to flunk and not go to heaven. Well, that's not true, number one. And we make that harder than what it is. What if I say something that's wrong? We fear that. And what if I ask them, and they say, no. Now, this is how a lot of times we envision evangelism. One-on-one. -on -one. Here it is, one of the great tennis masters of all time. Lucas over here could probably stand a few shots from him. I dare say if I was standing in the court, I'd say, serve. And he said, sir, I already have three times. And I'd say, oh, I didn't know that. We get intimidated. We get scared. It's more like this. You see, the great Dodgers, he alone can't do this. He has some people out there helping him. There is a team. There is an offense. There is a defense. All of that works together to help us in evangelism. And we'll explain some of that in just a moment. Some concepts to understand. Number one, you know the Bible better than most people you'll ever encounter. And that even includes preachers out there today. They know some verses. They might say, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, do not judge. And if you ask them, say, why did he say that? What else did he say about judging? They don't know. But you know. 
You know what Jesus was talking about was hypocritical judgment. You know within that chapter, Jesus talks about judging. By their fruits, Jesus says, you will know them. How are you going to tell that unless you make a judgment? You know the Bible better than most people out there. Do you understand that? If you'd ask somebody, tell me, who was John the Baptist? They'd probably say, well, that was the husband of Joan the Ark. No. Where is Malachi found? They'd say, well, that's about three streets over. They would have no clue. But you know those answers. You know because you've been learning and you've been studying and you've been coming to Bible class. And so don't begin with this idea that I'm facing this master and he's going to destroy me. That's not true. Secondly, evangelism is not a comparison of which church is right. That's a mistake a lot of people make. My church is better than your church. No, my church is better than your church. My church is better than your church. It's like being on vacation with two little grandkids, which we just did. Back and forth you go, back and forth you go. And pretty soon you're going to say, we're going to play the silence game. Nobody talks. Evangelism is about Jesus. In your Bible, turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy, if you will. 1 Timothy chapter 3, and look at verse 16. You see, our culture today emphasizes feelings more than facts. And our culture today, it's more about their opinion. But when we look at the Bible, it's about the lordship of Jesus Christ. If I understand Jesus and understand who he is and what he is, then it doesn't matter. My opinion doesn't matter. My feelings do not matter. Here's what I think we ought to do. Here's what I like in a church. No. If I understand the lordship of Jesus, I hush. Thy will be done. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And by common confession, great is the mystery of godliness, who was revealed in the flesh, was vindicated in the spirit, beheld by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on the world, taken up in glory. What evangelism is about is about Jesus. Showing somebody Jesus. We're not car shopping. You go over here and you kick a tire and say, what deal would you give me? Well, the guy over here at Ford's going to give me this deal. And the Kia dealer is going to give me this deal. What deal do you have for me? We're not doing that. We're talking about Jesus. Jesus. And that's, again, the emphasis we have to see. Number three, people are quickly turned off by three things. Number one, by hypocrisy. Your most effective message is the life you're going to live. And so how you live it is so important. I love the story of a guy who was hurrying. He's a businessman. And he'd gotten behind a car in front of him. He has laptop open, papers everywhere. And the light turned green. The lady in front of him was on his cell phone. He tapped his horn, tapped his horn, pounded on the horn, getting ready, go, 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 go. And finally she went through just as the light turned red. Mad, he's hitting his car, and pretty soon a policeman tapped on his window. He rolls it down. Turn off the engine, sir. Get out. Put him in handcuffs. Went back and made the calls, as the policeman did. Finally, the policeman came back. I got to apologize. I thought you stole the car. When I saw your bumper stickers, I love Jesus, follow me to Sunday school, I assumed the way you acted, you stole the car. You see, the way you act speaks louder than what you say. 
So when you're at work, when you're at school, when things fall apart, how you behave is so important. The second thing that turns people off is harshness. Just being so hard. You gotta remember the grace of God that was given to us. Where would we be today without that grace? And then thirdly, haughtiness. That uppity, self-righteous attitude. I'm right, you're wrong. That, that just turns people off completely. The fourth concept we need to understand is you gotta know your place. Your place is not to change somebody. That's God. Your place is not to baptize somebody. That's God's. Your place is to plant the seed in the heart of somebody. Romans 1 verse 16, the apostle says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power. The gospel is the power. Not you, not the volume of your voice, not the, not the psychology you use, not the tricks you use. Let God do his part. Your part is to put the seed into the soil. And that's simply it. And so as we remember that, that will help us along this line. And we need to understand where most of our friends are today. Most of our friends have what we call relationship-based faith. Why do you go where you go? Because my mom and dad are here. Why do you go where you go? Because I have friends here. Why do you go where you go? Because it makes me feel good. It's all based upon feelings and relationship. As you study the Gospels, it's about a doctrine based. It's about based upon what the Bible teaches. And that's most important. And so our, our biggest fear in evangelism is how do we begin a conversation? How do we tell somebody? And this is what I like to talk. I use this expression all the time, and that is building bridges. Building bridges. You see, our friends are on one side, and Jesus is on the other side. And to get them to Jesus, they got to cross a bridge. And there's all kinds of bridges. And so your tool is simply to introduce, plant a seed that will help somebody find the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the simple concept that we do. And you do that a number of ways. Number one, by using the tools that we have here. We have so many tools from recorded sermons and classes and podcasts and blogs and quick quotes over and over again. Two of our sisters here recently asked me for a latest copy of our Jimmy book. And I said, well, didn't you get it? They said, yeah, we got it, but we're passing them out to other people. The Jimmy story is so incredible. I just hand it to people and say, read this. And when I heard that, I wrote about this in one of my blogs, and we had people writing this and writing this. Can you send me five? Can you send me ten? I've got a whole bunch of family members, and all they're doing is say, just read this. Just read this. And all you're doing is building a bridge for someone to go across to help them find that. And when we think about all of us, there we are, and how we can share things, how easy it is to share a quote, now, is somebody going to be baptized because of a quick quote? No. Somebody going to be baptized because of something I write? Probably not. Somebody going to be baptized because of our podcast? Likely not. But what they're doing is they're stepping on that bridge. And they're stepping on that bridge. And they're getting closer and closer and closer. And that's the idea. 
at how easy it is in this congregation to share things. You see something you like, you know somebody in your family that has something, share that and share and share and share. We're getting ready to do our first John classes on Tuesdays, Tuesday mornings and Tuesday nights. You got a friend and say, hey, why don't you come to services with me? I got my own church. Hey, how about coming Tuesday night? We're studying First John, all Bible, nothing but Bible. You want to come study First John with us? Something you could do, isn't it? And so what I want you to see is how important it is to use our tools and to see that God has made this available to you. Secondly, use our team. Use our team. I got a guy at work. He asked me a question. I don't know how to answer it. Jason will. Come ask me. Come ask one of the shepherds. I've got somebody at work, and, and they're, they're, they're really depressed. They had somebody commit suicide in their family. They're going through a divorce. I don't know what to say to them. Say, how about arranging a lunch? You, that person, and me. And we'll talk. Now, maybe you don't know what to say, but we have a team here that does know what to say. Maybe you don't know which tool should I use. We have people here who know which tool. See what I'm saying? It's not you versus that tennis player by yourself. It's the Dodger team, and we've got a team here. And maybe, maybe you're not good at saying things. There's other people who are good at saying things. Chris can just talk to the wall, and Chris can do all kinds of stuff. Get Chris to come talk to your friends and do that. You see what we're saying? So when we talk about evangelism, it's not just me and this person. Oh, I'm so scared. What if he says something I don't know? What if he brings his preacher? That's cool. I'll bring my preacher. We got two of them. I'll bring both of my preachers. And we'll just talk. But that's what you do. Use your team. And then use your time. Use your time. Again, how essential it is that we see the amazing story that God has given us. And with this, two things come about. Number one, the gospel is good news, so make it that way. It's good news. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Amazing grace. And don't be afraid to tell your story. Before I was a Christian, I was a mess. Before I was a Christian, I was a member of this church, that church, this church, and that church. Before I was a Christian, I was into drugs. Before I was a Christian, I didn't know up from down. Before I was a Christian, I thought the most important thing is getting the most money you could get. I came to find Jesus. And boy, has he changed my life. Remember Mark 5? What was Jesus tell that demon-possessed man to do? Go tell your people what the Lord has done to you. That's something we all can do. Just a simple thing of doing that. And then to use your talents. To use your talents. Jesus would say here in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse 35, But I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, that they are white for harvest. If you've got your Bible, turn with me to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3. 1 Peter, chapter 3. And again, just another expression that we find here. 1 Peter chapter 3 and in verse 15, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. That means Jesus is king of my life. That's what you have to do by your choices. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that's in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Hope. We're getting ready to have another presidential election. Every clown in the world is jumping out. Who should we vote for? I really don't care. My king is Jesus. 
That's who my king is. You know, things are messy today. Doesn't matter. God is still on the throne. Why is it you're not crazy like everyone else? Because I got a hope. Someday I'm out of this place. And I'm going to heaven. How can you be so sure? Jesus Christ. You see that answer? You see how important that is? And as this passage says, to lift up your eyes. Let me give you two stories that just happened day, day after day. I was getting my oil changed one day. And I went to the counter to pay for it. There's a young man there checking things out for me. And I noticed just over there he had a book laying there. And the book was entitled Experiencing God. And I said, thank you. Thank you, Lord. I said, I've never read that book. But I love God. We had a little chit-chat about God right there. Now, is he here today? No. Will he be baptized because of our conversation? No. But I planted a seed. The very next day, I was in the store. An older lady was there. She had her name tag. It said Beulah. I said, Beulah, that's a neat name. She goes, that's an old name. She's kind of cranky that day. I said, you know, there's a hymn called Beulah Land. She goes, yeah, I know that hymn. I didn't get that seed very deep in her, but I tried to do it. But you see what I'm saying? There's a book, and I noticed it. There's a name tag, and I made a connection. Now, I didn't grab them and bring them to the baptistry and get baptized, did I? But I'm trying to plant a seed. All around you, every day, there's little things like that. And you can do those things. Now, a lot of times, folks will ask you, well, what denomination are you? Don't say Church of Christ, because we're not denomination. Don't say non-denomination. Because that's the flavor of the month. Everybody's non-denomination. I say I am pre-denomination. Pre-denomination? What's that mean? That means before all the denominations, there was something else. That's what I'm part of. I'm part of the original, what Jesus built. Now, many of you who've been around for a while have heard me do this illustration several times. Got some new folks who want to go through this. Simple way to teach Bible authority. And that very word turns people off. Let's sit down and have a study about Bible authority. And they're going to go, oh, I'd rather have root canal. You know? So you don't have to say those words. But what you're teaching is the lordship of Jesus Christ. Imagine we went to England or Scotland. And we saw a castle like this. And we could find the same kind of material that they used. The same kind of tools and we could get a copy of the blueprints, and we came back to southern Indiana, and we followed the blueprints to the T, we would have a copy of the original. That's what we're doing here. As a church, in our marriages, in our discipleship, we're trying to follow the original. And when I sit down and talk to people, I use only one Bible verse, Philippians 4, verse 9. The things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. I've even taken a blueprint before. And some of you, a lot of you have built homes. You know what blueprints look like. But you look at things like this, and those are where the doors are. It even tells you which way the door is going to open, which way it swings. You see, the architect draws that. And the construction boys, they come along, and they build it. And if they follow the blueprint, it looks exactly like the architect drew it. 
The architect does not have to say, no door there. He doesn't have to say that. He showed us where the doors are. But here comes the building crew. Many of you have been to the Ark Encounter over there in Kentucky. Supposed to be a replica of the Ark. Looks pretty cool, except it's air-conditioned. And there's Coke machines on every level. I don't think Noah had Coke machines, you know? Now, those are some things that make it nice for us. And so here we come, we got this blueprint, but we want to make it nice for us. So we add a few things here and there. We put some of the stained glass windows side by side. We widen the door. We do just a few things that make it nice. Guess what? It doesn't look like the blueprint. And guess what? We're no longer builders. We become the architect. We changed what God wanted us to do. And so our job is simply follow what God says. And so when somebody says, how come y'all don't baptize babies? Y'all don't like babies? Let's see what the blueprint says. How come y'all don't have a band? All the churches have bands, yet nobody can play music in that church? Let's see what the blueprint says. You see what you've just done? You've showed them what God says is it. It's not, a, it's not a democracy. Democracy is the will of the people. That's our government. When it comes to the Bible, it's a theocracy, the will of God. So if God says a door there, I can't put a door there. Why? Because I am not God. And that's how we do that. One of the hymns I thought about asking you to lead. I'm glad you didn't. I can't sing this song hardly without crying a little bit. But it's a song you never mentioned to him to me. It goes this way. When in the better land, before the bar we stand, how deeply grieved our souls may be. If any lost one should cry in deep despair, you never mentioned him to me. You never mentioned him to me. You helped me not the light to see. You met me day by day and knew I was astray, yet you never mentioned him to me. I think about college roommates. I think about people in high school. I think about neighbors I had. Maybe I was scared. Maybe I just didn't know what the word I should say to them. But time has moved on. We've moved, shifted away from each other. And this song haunts me because you never mentioned him to me. And then I think about, what if that had been me? What if somebody had never mentioned him to me? Where would I be? And in all of our hearts this morning, there are family members, there are people that are dear, dear friends to us, there are people we just love more than anything else. We need to see how important it is that we build a bridge to Jesus. That's what evangelism is about. It's about shaking the salt and shining the light. But conversely to this, imagine about 25,000 years from now when we're on the other side. We're talking to Dave Mary and some of our other beloved who are there. You're there, I'm there. And we're just having a little chit-chat. And someone comes up and taps us on the shoulder and says, were you part of that Charlestown Road Church of Christ back in the 2000s, 2010s, 2020s? 
yeah, I would not be here today had it been not for you. You sent something. You, you, you gave money that allowed me to learn some things. You helped me. I am here because of you. And that's what evangelism is all about. It's about helping other people get to heaven. And so that's our lesson for this morning. What we want you to see is that we're here to help you. You all have people that's running through your mind right now. People that I need to say something to. I need to give them something. I want them to become a Christian. I want them to be in heaven. I want them to see what I have. If we can help you, talk to some of us. We'll be glad to do this. But the only way the kingdom of Christ grows is through evangelism, and it's through you, and it's through me. And God says, you can do it. One of the most incredible things I tell young preachers, it's just off the charts for me, that God would take this perfect, perfect word in which there are no errors about his perfect son in whom there is no sin, and he puts it in hands like mine and says, preach it. But he does that because he trusts us. He does that because he knows we can do it. And so God knows we can do this. And so we're here to help you in any way to do this. This evening, as we said, we're going to talk about one of the preachers we support overseas. Phenomenal lesson. We want you to come and hear that as we talk about one person that we're doing this. But we can't just say, well, I'm part of a church and we're global and we're sending it all out. I need to think about that hymn. Maybe there's somebody that I've never mentioned him to. And I need to do that. Get over the fears, get over the scare. You can do it because God wants you to. This morning, if you're not a Christian, you need to become one. That's what this is all about. Evangelism begins first and foremost at home. It begins in our congregation. It begins as we think about the people we work with. When you walk into that office tomorrow, you look around and you think about those people. They may have that person that just bugs you to death. Oh, he's here today. I thought he's on vacation this week, and there he is. Say a prayer. Lord, somehow put something there that I can build a bridge to help them become a Christian. And as you open your eyes, you may see a book laying there. Look at that. And you talk about that. You may see a name tag and say, look at that. And you talk about that. You may realize that there's so many people that would just love to sit down and talk to you, but they don't know where to begin. And they're just as scared as you are. And they just don't know what to say. And so you begin by telling your story. If you've never been baptized, won't you come as we stand, as we sing. <laughs>